Thanks, Rama. And it's wonderful to be here this morning with you all. Um, before I actually share this morning, and hello to people watching online. Think of people watching online. Hey, Pastor Craig's probably watching. Make sure I don't preach from the Quran this morning. Um, uh, yeah, it's good to um, it's good to be here. Um, but I just had some words for some people. You, my brother, there with the white and green shirt on. The Lord said to me, Luke twenty two forty two for you. And it's a, it's a verse where Jesus is saying, in the difficult patch in his life, he's saying, not my will, Father, but yours be done. And I had the sense that, um, in fact, I, I felt to share this story from my daughter's life. Uh, Celine went through a really difficult patch a couple of years ago with her, with her work situation, frustration because of a whole lot of things. But out of it, God birthed a new business initiative out of her, and she started her own art. She called it the art classes, or whatever they are, um, the art club, um, and the painters club. And she's doing like phenomenal. She's just been so blessed in that. But she had to kind of go through some stuff to come out into what God wanted to produce. And I believe for you in the area of business, you're going to go through some stuff. Maybe you're already going through some stuff, but it's because. As you say, not my will, but your will, Father. God's going to produce something new out of you, new initiative, new creativity, new innovation, new business ideas coming out of your heart. So I pray that I pray that blesses you. Um, sister over there, I know I've met you, second row. Um, can't remember your name, sorry, but yeah. Um, 1 John 3 verse 2 says, The children of God, those that know the Father, they see his face. And I saw the face of God towards you this morning. I saw the face of God represents his presence. His, his presence is upon your life and towards you this morning. So I pray that you would just, I just, that's a good thing, just to be encouraged in that, just to love his presence, love his face. Um, and the brother four rows back over there. You know the Lord who is your rock and who is your refuge and your strong tower in times of trouble. And uh, you know what it is to go through trouble, and you know what it is to know God who is your refuge. And um, you have a ministry upon your life of encouraging others who are going through trouble because you've been through stuff and you have known the God who is your rock and your refuge. So I just pray that you would walk through whatever you're walking through and whenever you go through stuff it's just like there's a strength about you and i pray that god would strengthen you and that you would be an encouragement to others um and for you rimmer abide 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 in the lord's presence um yeah john 15 abide in the vine and joshua who after moses left to go to minister to the people stayed in the temple, and just abided with God. That's the word of the Lord for you, my brother. Abide, abide in God's presence. Amen? Just wanted to share those words I felt the Lord put in my heart during the worship. Uh, I am, my name is Stephen, as Rima said. I think there's a photo of my wife up there, hopefully. Yeah, she's beautiful. Um, you can see why I married her. And um, we have been married, I should know, 20-something years. Um Anyway, we had some kids on this next slide, uh, and um, yeah, there's a few there, a few add-ons as well, that's Susie in the middle. Um, there'll be a test later, so that's Jordan, Samuel, Micah, Liana, Talia, Apps, uh, Celine, Rose, who's married into the family to Sam, 
Grace, Susie, Aria, Gianna, who married uh, Apps, married in the family. She's mostly my niece, but she married one of my Fijian boys. So um, that's our that's our family at Christmas time. And now we have two babies. Apps and Gianna have a baby, and Sam and Rose have a baby on the way. So the tribe expands and the tribe grows. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be here this morning. That's that's who I am, and uh, good friends of Pastor Craig and Trin, and love and honor them. And it's but it's good to be here with you. Um, I want to just share with you a couple of couple of thoughts this morning that I feel are on the heart of God for us, His people, for us to to learn and for us to know the season and the times that we are in, and how we should, how I believe we should be uh, thinking and focusing and putting our attention in at this time. You know, the sons of Issachar in First Chronicles were known as the people who understood the times. This next verse here, they understood the times, right? The sons of Issachar had understanding of the times that they lived in. They understood not only the the, the natural times and dates, and it was their job to tell the children of Israel when they should have the feast of Passover. You know, they, they had to look at the moon and the stars and the sun work out because they didn't have a Google calendar back then. They had to figure this stuff out. Somebody was in charge of that. That was, their, that was their job, to work out when the calendar, what the month was, all that sort of stuff. So they understood the, the Kronos time, but they also understood the Kairos time. And the Kairos time is the season that God is moving the people into. So in this passage here, like, like for example, when uh, Deborah was made the judge of Israel, it was an unusual thing for a woman to be put in charge of the children of Israel, but because the sons of Issachar gave their stamp of approval to this and said, yes, this is what God is doing in this time, then the rest of the people got on board. In this passage here, it's when David is being made the king. And and it was unusual because Saul had been the king. Saul had just died. It would normally be one of Saul's sons or Saul's descendants that would be the new king. But the sons of Issachar came and said, no, actually what God is doing is God is making David the new king. And so because they understood the times, their brethren and everyone got on board. We need to be a people that understand the times that we live in. Amen? We need to know what what is God doing in our time? In fact, Jesus said this to the spiritual leaders in Matthew chapter 16. He came along to them and he said, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he said, you you look at the clouds, you look and you see the, the red sky and you can see that Rain is coming, or you can see it's going to be a fine day. You can tell that by looking at the weather. How is it that you can't read the signs of the times of what God is doing in your generation? He says, come on, guys, get it together. Can't you see what God is doing in our day and in our time? And in in Luke, he comes and says that actually to the people. He says not to the spiritual leaders, but he says to the people. He says, again, can't you, you... you can tell me, you can all tell me it's going to be a windy, stormy day because you can see the clouds. You can see it's going to be a sunny day. I mean, I mean the, uh, the Met Service in um, New Zealand's pretty okay at predicting the weather, aren't they? There's plenty of times they get it wrong. But, you know, we're pretty good as human beings at predicting, oh, there's a storm coming, there's rain coming, it's going to be sunny today. You know, you look up your weather app and you can tell that stuff. But Jesus said, Can you discern what God is doing in your generation and in your times? So here's my question. What's God doing in 2023? 
What's God doing in our generation? What has been happening over the last little while? What's been happening in the world? God says to Habakkuk, the prophet, he says to him, and Habakkuk has this complaint. And when I read this passage, I could relate to Habakkuk's complaint. I wonder if you can relate to it here. He said to the, he, he says, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? How long will you not listen? How long will I say to you violence? Anybody seen some violence around the planet in the last few years, right? And you want to say, why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Anybody seen some wrongdoing around the place? Okay, let's, let's keep rolling with this. Um, next slide, next slide. Keep it going. Here we go. Destruction, violence before me, strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack. There's no justice. It's like the law. It's like corruption. It's like all this stuff going on. I read this and I thought, you know what? I can actually relate to what Habakkuk is saying here. And here is the Lord's response. This is what God says to Habakkuk. He says this, look at the nation's and see, because I'm doing something that would surprise you. I'm doing something in this moment that is going to be unusual to you. And I don't have a lot of time to talk about this this morning, but he says, actually, what I'm doing is I'm using a group of people, the Chaldeans, that you wouldn't believe that I would use, but I'm using them to work my purposes out in the earth. So there's a whole, there's a whole thought there that you can, you can lean into in the Lord. But I, I've been asking myself, what, God, have you been doing in our time, in the last few years? What are you doing in our lives right now? Because if Jesus says, look and see in the nations, look and see like you look at the weather, look and see what's going on in the world around you, we should be a people who are like the sons of Issachar who can see what God is doing. So this is, this is my thoughts. And I kind of put this slide up here. It's got God's purpose, and we'll come back to that in a second. But then a little bit about what's been going on in our lives. The first thing I think that's happened is that there's been a disrupt in our lives. There's been a disrupt in the political climate of the world. There's been a disrupt in the economic space in this world. There's been a disrupt in church life. And there's probably, well, there has, there's been a disrupt in our personal lives. Everybody's lives got disrupted. Okay, so that's what's going on. God disrupting this. And, and often we go, okay, is this the devil doing this? Is it the Chinese? Is it the Americans? Is it Jacinda? Is it Donald Trump? Who's doing this? My personal theory is God allowing this to happen. It's not. Probably God's will that a lot of things happen, but he allowed these things to happen and he works out his purpose through it all. But this disrupt, this disrupt to our lives was very real. It happened. Disrupted a lot of stuff, disrupted a lot of relationships, disrupted a lot of things in our kind of cycle of life. Okay, so that happened. So yeah, we know that. The next thing that happened was there was an exposing there was an exposing of corruption. There was an exposing of narratives with agendas. There was an exposing all across the world. We're in a season where a whole lot of things that people put their confidence in and their trust in and were told certain things crumbled and people going, oh my gosh, it's just like I, there's all this exposure of, of, of manipulation and of control and of things behind the scenes and 
I mean, if you if you just follow the the news, not the propaganda, but if you follow what's really happening in the world, then you would you would know that there's this exposure of stuff everywhere on the political scene. I'm not here to talk about that today because you know what? There's been an exposure of stuff in the church as well. And I'll bet you there's been an exposure of stuff in your heart as well. So let's just forget about the church and let's just forget about the politics and let's bring it down to us. Because there was an exposure of stuff in my life, an exposure of attitudes that weren't really like Jesus, exposure of things that came out of the disrupt in my heart and my life, and I'm picking in your heart and your life as well. Things that came out, fear came out. Fear came out and began to, you know, all sorts of attitudes and things came out. And, and, And we began to realize, man, there's stuff in here. God was exposing situations and exposing stuff. And things we thought were kind of cool, the the way we thought we should do church, the way that we thought was the cool thing to do, we kind of began to question some of that stuff. We began to sit back and go, hold on. Hold on, what's, what's, what's really going on here? You know, it was all kind of smooth for a while there, and all of a sudden all this stuff got exposed, and it caused us to question a lot of things. And here's something that I have discovered that has happened as a result of that. There is a hunger for truth. There's a hunger for truth. Almost every church that I talked to the pastor who was leading the church, every pastor, was doing a series on getting back to the foundations of our doctrine. I'll bet you did that here. We did that where we were. Every church went through a series. We need to get back to the foundations of what we believe. We need to get back to truth because everybody said, man, we were just doing stuff and cruising along, but we realized that we weren't building on truth. We were building on what kind of felt good and looked good and trying to help people find their way to Jesus, but we didn't have a strong enough foundation on the truth of God's word. And there came this hunger for truth, this desire for truth. I, I think it was epitomized in this tweet that I saw this atheist tweet. He he is a well-known atheist, and he said this. He said, I want to take my kids to church because it's about the best place that can prevent them from the woke ideology that is ruining the globe. He said, I need advice on how to find a good church. And all these 20,000 comments underneath people telling him how to find a good church and how you know what's a good church and not a good church. I thought, wow, this is an atheist who wants to take his kids to church. That's, that's really interesting to me. Really interesting. And I have had so many conversations with people who are seeking truth. They don't want a feel-good experience. They want truth. What is true? And there's a desire and a hunger for truth in all spheres. I want to know what's true in that leadership realm. I want to know what's true in this realm. I want to know what's true in God. I want to know what's true in God's word and what is true in life is a seeking and a hungering and a desiring for truth. And I think God has a purpose in all of this above and beyond this. And it's this verse here to produce a glorious church, a bride without spot or wrinkle that is ready for the return of his son. God is actually using all of this, working through all of these situations, all of this stuff that's happening in the world 
so that he might produce within you something that's true, something that carries and manifests the power and the presence of God, something that carries the glory of God. God wants Revive Church for you to carry the glory of God when you come together to be a people who know his manifest presence and his glory and his power. As I walked in this morning, I saw in your foyer there that you, you support some of the uh, orphanages in Vanuatu. And that did my heart good because I was just in Vanuatu a couple of weeks ago. I spent a week there working with young people and churches in Vanuatu. And, you know, I, I, I was working with this group of young people and I very quickly realized that although they had grown up in church, that they knew how to go to church, that they had never really encountered the presence of God. And so I began to teach them about praise and teach them about worship. And I began to encourage them and I managed to get them to, you know, I invited them to come up the front if they wanted to. And they had a, we had a worship time. And for the first time, there's these Nivan young people who are encountering and experiencing the presence and the power of God. And that's for me what it's all about. It's not about doing nice church. It's not about hearing a nice sermon. It's not about hearing a nice band play up here. It's about encountering the glory and presence of God. God is building a church that it, it can carry His glory, carry His power, carry His presence. I love that my kids, my son Sam, he, he decided a while ago he wanted to start a prayer meeting, 6 a.m. every Thursday down at church. And so uh, the girls struggle. But the, the boys, Michael and Jordan, they'll get up and they'll go down with their cousin Israel and they'll go down there every Thursday to church, 6 a.m. in the morning, and they pray in tongues. They pray in the Holy Spirit and they're seeking and encountering the presence of God. In their generation, there's a desire to know the power of God. But how about you? How about me? Do we have a desire to, to do more than just come and you know hear a nice sermon and hear some good thoughts? Do we actually want to be a people who know the power and presence of God? We're walking in His glory and His truth. We're free of fear. God does not give us a spirit of fear. We know that, right? But of power and of love and of a sozo mind, of a healed mind, a delivered mind. The power of God. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day that we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And I love the Holy Spirit. I love the power of God. Is it working us and through us and how he wants to cause that river of life to flow out of us to touch our community around here and all the communities where God's people are. He wants us to be a people that are strong and that are filled with his spirit. So if you have your Bibles, oh, just this last slide here. This is my intro, by the way. We're going to be here for eight hours. Um, <clears throat> this next slide. This is what I think God's purpose is. He wants a people who know their God. He wants a people who know their identity, a people who are mighty in God, a new generation of revival, the glory of God covering the earth. So I want to just talk about that first point here this morning from uh, John, starting in John chapter 11, and then we're going to move to a passage in the Old Testament. There's a uh, story of Lazarus. Is it John or Luke? John, John 11. The story of Lazarus and you know the story probably fairly well if you've been in church. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, is sick and he dies. Jesus waits till he goes to see him, till he has died, and then he goes to see him. And there's this interesting comparison between 
Martha and Mary when Jesus comes to Lazarus. First of all, Martha comes out. Both of them ask Jesus the same question. That's what I noticed when I read this passage. Martha says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again to life. And she goes into a sort of theological explanation and understanding of all of this. Yes, I know that you are the Messiah. I know that he will rise again to life when you return to bring your kingdom on earth. I know that, Lord. I know that that's what's going to happen. And Jesus speaks to her at the level that she is at and says to her, your, your brother's actually going to rise again here. And, but, you know, she's, she's just kind of got this intellectual understanding of who Jesus is. And many of us in the church, because I think Martha and Mary represent two parts of the church right now. There's the Martha church and the Mary church. Martha's sort of brings from Jesus what she has inside of herself, this intellectual understanding. Yeah, I figured it out. I read through this. I, I worked out what happens in the story. And so Jesus responds to her on the word that she has and the understanding that she has. But then Mary comes into the story. And let's, let's look at this. Mary says exactly the same thing to Jesus. So Mary, Martha tells Mary, she runs out there. Next slide. Uh, I think it's, yeah, here. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Exactly the same words. This is what amazed me. But Jesus saw something deeper within her. There was this heart, this spirit thing within her that actually moved Jesus to weep, moved some, something inside of what she had, she carried, actually caused this weeping to come out of Jesus and release the power of God to be released from Jesus to ultimately call Lazarus come out of that tomb. And God is looking for a merry church to arise. God is wanting us to be a people that, yes, we understand the word. Yes, we know what God's word says. We know the truth. But there are times when he wants to release the resurrection power of God into our lives. He wants to do something that's beyond what the logical mind says. And he needs a people that will pull on that. He needs a people that will believe for that. He needs a people of faith, a church that will say, we are believing for God to do something miraculous, spiritual, powerful in this place. There was a, there's a guy in our church a few weeks ago. He'd been having anxiety and he'd been having heart. His heart was heart issues, all manner of problems. Came up the front, got prayer, testified the next Sunday. He said, from the moment, he said, I had this for a month, my heart condition, this anxiety. I got prayer. They laid hands on me and prayed for me. From that day, he said, I went out of here. No anxiety, no heart issues, completely healed. There's a lady I went and prayed for. She had long COVID for three months. Couldn't get healed of it. Couldn't get better of it. Went to her house. God told me, go to her house and pray for her. Went to her house. Susie and I, we laid hands on her, prayed for her. The next day she was healed from long COVID. And she's back doing midwifery, which she's supposed to be doing and called by God. 
You know, whatever you go, you were going through, there, there is a God who can release his power to you. I'm not talking theory here. We've seen this. I saw in Vanuatu. I saw the power of God come and change people's lives. I've seen it in New Zealand. I've seen it that God's spirit and his power wants to be released to his church. But if we sit there with a kind of intellectual, oh, how did that happen? I wonder, well, that's kind of interesting. Well, maybe, uh, you know, trying to intellectualize everything. We won't draw upon, we're Martha. We're the Martha church. God's looking for a Mary church. See, Mary... There's something deep going on in here, right? Deep cries out to deep. Jesus, if you were here, I know you can do this. Something of her spirit crying out to the Lord releases a miracle, releases the miracle-working power of God within that situation. And and her resurrection life, people being raised from the dead, is pretty cool, amen? So as I'm reading this story, few weeks ago, and I'm just, you know, contemplating this and thinking about all of this, I realized that actually there's another woman. God begins to talk to me about another woman who received her dead son back to life. It's interesting that there's quite a few women in the Bible who received their dead sons back to life. And so I'm looking at this story about Mary and Martha, and God takes me back to this woman, the Shunammite woman. The Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. A little bit of the backstory here is that the Shunammite woman, she had often had Elisha visit, the prophet of God. She told her husband, she's a wealthy woman, she told her husband, let's build a room for him. So they build a room, so whenever he's in town, he got somewhere to stay. And then Elisha says to his servant Gehazi, ask her if there's anything she needs. She says, no, I'm all right. And Gehazi said, well, she's never had a son. So Elisha calls her and says, this time next year, you will have a son. And she says, no, my Lord, don't get my hopes up. Don't get me hoping. I'm past that. But sure enough, a year later, she has a son. And then this son grew And one day we pick up the story. He went out to his father who was with the reapers. He said to my father, my head, my head. His father told his servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, lunchtime, then he died. She went up, laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so that I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. You know, she didn't even tell her husband what was going on, did she? You notice that? She didn't even take the time to say, actually, our son has died. She says, I need a donkey. And he says, what do you need a donkey for? I just need a donkey. I don't know if you're a husband here and you've had that conversation with your wife. You know, where she's just like, you just know, don't ask any more questions. You can tell by the eyes. You know, they just look at you and give you that, like, do what I'm saying. It's like, okay. <laughs> I think he had a moment like this. Just, okay, give her the donkey. Do whatever she wants. She's, she's on a mission here. And look what she says. Lean on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. Wow. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when he saw her, 
in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, here's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Your child all right? Is everything all right? She said, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, Oh, sorry. And she said, Everything is all right. So Gehazi comes up to her. As Elisha says, go ask her if everything's all right. This is really interesting. So Gehazi comes and says, everything all right? Your husband, you keep all right? She says to him, everything's all right. You're not the guy I need to talk to right now. Right? Gehazi, thank you for asking, but you are not the one I need to talk to right now. Fascinating. Fascinating. So, Elisha says this. Oh, sorry. Then she reached the man of God at the mountain and she took a hold of his feet. Gehazi came over and pushed her away. The man of God said, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. In other words, here's the prophet of God, church. You've got to understand, Elisha's the prophet to the nations. And God, Elisha makes this point. God has not told me what's going on in this situation. Why is that? Because we're not supposed to be impressed with Elisha in the situation. We're supposed to be impressed with the Shunammite woman's faith. This is a story about her. This is a story about her faith, about something that's going on inside of her. God's hidden it from the prophet because this is about something that's happening in her life. And if you haven't picked it up already, my message this morning is that we are supposed to be the Shunammite church. So, she, uh, she's weeping bitterly, and she says to him, Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Did I not tell you, don't raise my hopes? Elisha says to Gehazi, Tuck your cloak in your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. Gehazi, get the stick. Here's my staff. Here's the stick. There's the staff with the authority on it. Take it. Go. Don't talk to anybody. Lay it on the boy and uh, do the stuff. Watch what she says. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I'm not leaving you, Elisha. I don't need somebody who can wave a stick. I need the man of God who has the power of God at work in his life. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi comes back to Elisha and says, I did, but the boy is not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on the couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, prayed to the Lord, then got up, bent, and lay on the boy mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand, stretched himself out, and the body grew warm. Turned, walked back and forth, prayed in tongues for a while. Oh, no, that's in the, uh, the NIVV. And f- <clears throat> then he got back on the bed, stretched himself once more. The boy sneezed seven times, opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. This woman represents the church of God. I think it, she represents part of what God is doing in our lives, part of what God is wanting us to learn for us to bring out. The first thing I think that she teaches us is that we need to create a dwelling place 
for the presence of God. We need to create a space in our homes, create a space where the presence of God comes and dwells in our homes. She said to her husband, we need to make a space in our home for the presence, the man who carries the presence of God. Now, you and I don't have to build a, a room on the side of our house for some man to come and live in, but we can create a space in our homes where the presence of God dwells. We can turn the TV off and we can put some praise and worship on. We can, we can actually create an atmosphere in our homes that is a, this is a place where the presence of God is at work. I mean, Susie and I unconnected the TV about 10 years ago and have never reconnected it. You can watch a, we watch a movie on Netflix, we'll do some stuff, but the media and the TV, we just got rid of it. It's just filled with garbage. And so we, you know, our home is a place, we watch movies, we'll have fun. We have a lot of fun in our house. Uh, we have a lot of joy, but then we have times of worship. We'll have times, uh, you know, my, my kids did this the other night. They, they invited all their friends around and said, let's have a worship time on Wednesday night. Dad, can you play the guitar? Michael played the keyboard. And we had a great worship time, the presence of God in our lounge. But I, however you do it in your family, you know, you can put, just put the, I love just putting some praise and worship on the soundbar and having a listen to the, let that fill the home. Build the presence of God into our lives, whether it's your phone app you do a devotion on or you get the Bible out and read it. Out. However, build the presence of God into your life. On the way to work in the car, listen to a great podcast, listen to a great message, listen to a great teaching from the Word. Fill your mind and your heart with the presence and power of God. The presence of God always releases refreshing and rest and joy. Who loves those three things, right? From the presence of God comes refreshing. From His presence comes rest. From His presence comes joy. I mean, my goodness, why wouldn't you want that? You have that in your life. Build. She built a place for the presence of God. Number two, there was an urgency in her movement when it came to bringing life to her children. It came to her child. When it comes to our children's ministry, to the youth ministry, to the younger generation that is coming forward, when we see what the indoctrination of the stuff that they're trying to push into schools, what they're trying to push into our younger generation, there needs to be an urgency in our hearts and our minds to stand up and to begin to declare the truth of God's word. I serve on a school board. Susie serves on another school board. And we pray into our schools. We speak up in our schools. We will speak up if we see anything coming into our children's lives that's ungodly and, and wrong. Like, no, 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 no. We uh, pull our kids out of that. Whatever... You know, it is on our radar. Whatever is important to you, there needs to be something within our hearts to say, you know what? There is an attack of hell against the next generation, and we need to pray, and we need to stand, and we need to fight, and we need to contend for God's blessing and protection and kingdom to come in that next generation. So the devil's trying to kill my kid. And she said, don't you stop the donkey for me. Don't you slow down. We need to get to wherever we need to get to to get the help for this new generation that's coming forth. I think this is something that's on the heart of God for his people, the Shunammite church. Number three, she knew the difference between performance and power. She understood. Gehazi knows how to wave the stick. Gehazi knows how to ask the questions. He doesn't have the power. It's a church. We need to discern the difference between what's a nice show 
and what has the power of God. We need to be a people that discern that, that pick that up and go, that's pretty cool, that's pretty nice, but I'm not sure the power of God is at work in that space. I think we've, we've had enough with nice shows. We're looking for the glory and the power of God at work in our lives. I've had enough of nice shows in my own life. I hope you have as well. I've been a kind of like, you know, nice pretend Christian. Comes to church and pretends everything's okay. No, I want to get real. I want to be authentic. I want to be somebody who understands and knows the power of God and knows how to walk in His glory, knows the Holy Spirit for my own, and I walk in His Word and His truth. I'm, I'm hungry for that. I want to know what that is in my business, in my marriage, in my family, in my own personal walk, or in whatever space that God has given me a sphere of influence. I want to know the power of God. I want to know that when I'm making a business decision, I'm not just listening to the accountant, but I'm listening to the holy accountant. Amen? The one who'll tell me, actually, you need to do this because this is where the next provision, this is where the next blessing is for you and for your life and your family. Amen? I want to be someone who's walking in that discerning the difference between Gehazi and Elisha is so clear in this story that she knew, hey, you might know how to do the stuff, but you don't have the power. That guy over there, he has the power on his life. Be somebody who, 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 if you're a leader in whatever sphere in your life, be somebody that's like, okay, God, teach me, grow me, stretch me, help me to be somebody who's not just doing the stuff, not just going through the run sheet, not just singing the songs, not just doing the Bible study in my connect group, not just doing the thing in my children's ministry, but somebody who's sensitive to the Holy Spirit, who knows when he's at work and can hear his voice and can minister in his power. Teach me to be a mum. It's not just doing the stuff I read in a book, but it's listening to the Holy Spirit and is ministering to my kids by the power of the Holy Spirit. To be a dad like that. However, wherever you are, we each need to be a people who are ministering in the power of God, not just doing a performance. Amen? And fourthly and finally, like I said, it was her faith that released this miracle. It was her faith. It was her faith wasn't Elisha. Elisha said, God's hidden it from me. If she hadn't come, if she hadn't been urgent, if she hadn't believed, if she had just left her child there and said, oh, well. She said, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to have a conversation about it. I know what I need to do. Get out of my way. I'm on a mission here. I'm not going to be distracted by other people's opinions and other people's thoughts and other people's ideas. I know what God has called me to do. And I'm on mission. I'm focused. I'm on task here to what God wants me to do. Amen? So God wants us to be a church like that. He says, you know what? We're on mission. We're on focus. God's calling me to this. Stepping out in faith and I'm I'm moving towards that thing that God has for my life. Church this morning, can I encourage you that God wants you to be a Shunammite church, a Shunammite woman, the bride of Christ, glorious. He's allowed the disrupt. He's allowed the exposure in our hearts. He's allowed all of that to happen so that you and I can go, okay, Lord, teach me your truth. Get me back to what's really real. 
Teach me how to be a person who is actually grounded and founded in you, not somebody who gives lip service to you, but then just lives my own thing over here because that's going to fail. As somebody who is fully in, committed to you, living my life wholehearted for you, somebody who knows how to move in and pray in and worship in the power and the presence of God until we see breakthrough, till we see miracles, till we see healings. Amen? Till we see God's blessing and ministry going out to the nations, Vanuatu, Fiji, wherever God takes us, even Disneyland, wherever God takes us to release the blessing of God. Amen? I, I'm just, I'm on mission, as you can tell. There's a term I was out on the street with our team last night in Southall, just praying for people. Just everybody, I'm like, can I pray for you? People are like, yeah, okay, let's praying for a guy who's got an operation, praying for another man who just wanted to be blessed, praying for people. When, you know, just it's so easy to ask people, Do you, would you like me to pray for you? And just bless them and pray for them and release something of the kingdom of God to their lives. Amen? So come on this morning, church. I hope I stirred you up a little. I hope it goaded you. I hope it, I've gotten you to stop thinking about all the bad, terrible stuff that's happening in the world and say, actually, above and beyond all of that, God has a purpose. And his purpose is to get his church on fire, get his church filled with his glory and his power. Let's get on board with that agenda and let's be part of that. And let's say, God, if there's stuff that you've disrupted and exposed in my life, Lord, I want to deal with that. I want to sort that. I want to fix that. And I want to know more of your power and your presence in my heart and my life. So this morning as we close, and uh, I'm just going to be available down here to pray for anybody. If you are sick, I'd love to pray for you to be healed. If you would love, it is Pentecost Sunday. Like I said, I love the Holy Spirit. If you would love a fresh touch of the Spirit of God upon your life, maybe that's a space that's just gone dry in your life. And you're like, man, I need a fresh touch of the Spirit of God on my life. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. You actually came seeking the truth. Let me tell you, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He is the way uh, that will He'll... Get rid of your shame. He got rid of my guilt. He got rid of all of the junk in my life. And I was forgiven and I was set free. And he can do that for you as well. I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to pray with you if you are here and you need to get your life right with God. There's somebody here who's backslidden in their heart. Somebody here can sense the Holy Spirit. Say, somebody here who's backslidden actually in your heart. You come to church from time to time, but your heart, is filled with unbelief. This morning, the Holy Spirit is shining His light on your heart right now, calling you to come and surrender your life to Him, to give your life completely to Jesus. I would love to pray with you as well. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I'm not sure if we maybe don't sing a song here, but I'm just going to give a moment here for you. We don't need to sing a song. Just if that's you, if you're in one of those categories and you are like, I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. I need a healing. I need some prayer this morning. Then I'd love to be able to come to each of you. But that's why we have this area down here called an altar. And uh, if you need that upon your life, you're hungry for that, then I invite you to step out of your seat right now and to just come down the front. Come down the front. It's not a scary thing. It's pretty safe place. Love to just be here to pray for you and to release some of God's goodness to your life. 
Father, I thank you for Revive Church. I thank you for your positioning of this church and this community and of this people, each one in this church for such a time as this, Lord. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing in their hearts and their lives, each one. And I thank you for every family that's represented here today. I thank you for your blessing upon every every couple, Father, upon every father, every mother here today. I pray that you would bless them. I pray for every young person that you would bless them, that your hand would be upon them, oh God. And I pray, God, that they would be a Shulamite church, a church that knows the difference between performance and power, a church... Lord, that is building a habitation for your presence, oh God. And when the worship time is on, we're all entering in because we are building a habitation for your presence, Lord. Thank you, God. I pray that they would be a church that is known for their faith. They don't need a man of God to come because they already have faith. They are already drawing on you, Lord. They're already drawing on your presence and your power because they have faith to believe that God is doing and will do something great in Pukekohe through Revive Church. We believe that. We declare that. We prophesy that, Lord. We thank you for that, God. So, God, I bless them today. I bless them as they go. I bless those that are in business. I bless their finances and their work. I bless marriages. I bless individuals. I bless, Lord, those that are ministering in community roles. In home, and bless them, Lord God. I pray that your spirit and your power and your anointing will be upon each one. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I'm going to pray for some people here, but I'll hand over to uh, Rimmer to do whatever he wants to do.